You gotta keep the <laughs> you gotta keep your shit in there too, dude. What are you talking about? <laughs> God damn it. Holy shit. I'm gonna shit. take it out and replace it with you telling your story again. <laughs> God damn it, really? Hey everybody, welcome to I'm okay, you're okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. Dude, I want to hear some more Jason Isbell stories. I, what do you want to know? Did you guys become best buds? No. I, I imagine he's a guy that's not easy to become cl- close friends with. He's kind of vaulted up a little bit. Uh, he's real cool, real nice, but... He seems like he's funny. <sighs> I, you know, he has a very strong Twitter presence, and um, he's got a razor sharp tongue, and he often is very incisive uh, with his words. And so I, I see him on Twitter, and I'm like, well, I wouldn't want to get in a Twitter war with this motherfucker. But then I think too, like I'm like, does he spend a lot of his time on Twitter? You know, it's like he's interesting. He's very online. He's definitely figured something out because he's super successful. Which is great. I mean, he's a good songwriter, and uh, he's got a you know, he he's 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 got a huge fan base, and he and critics like him. So yeah, uh, you know, he's doing something right. Yeah, I don't I don't listen to his records very much, but there's definitely five or six songs that I've heard that really really blew me away. Uh-huh. And it's just not stylistically music I choose to listen to, you know, but I respect it. Right. And so doing those shows with him is fun because I, you know, I've got some friends that are like, they would suck his dick if they could. And so it's interesting to be in a position where we're a lot, there's a lot of proximity because we're working together a lot and I can sort of just enjoy it. So it's just a fun opportunity because his, you know, I will say this about his crowd. His crowd listens to music. So if you're playing, if you're opening for him, you've got a couple thousand people there that want to listen to what you're doing. It's not like a big party or a big scene. It's not like super cool. It's a bunch of people that like good music. And that's fun. Do people come early to check you guys out? Yeah. Well, that's good. Because when I opened up for Wilco, nobody came early. Oh, really? When was that? A few years ago. You opened Maybe for Wilco? Five years ago. Maybe five or six years ago. Wow. Yeah. And it, I wasn't getting paid much. And I opened up for him here in Austin. Then I opened up for him in El Paso. And... uh I was like, oh, this will be good. I'll get some new fans. But they're not going to come early because they've, they've, everything's vetted nowadays. So if you're not vetted, then you're, nobody's coming to see you. What does vetted mean? What do you mean by that? It means, that means people have to, you, it's like when you look on Rotten Tomatoes and it's got a poor Rotten Tomatoes. Rating. I see what you're, you're saying. Not gonna go see that. Whereas back in the day, Back in the you, day, you, you just oh, you would go. I don't know who this guy is. I don't. I don't know what he's doing. I'll go early and check right. it out. Maybe I'll. Maybe something nice will happen. Yeah, but now you just you you know. Oh, I know. I know who that guy is. And you know, maybe spend five seconds looking at the first video that comes up on YouTube or like eh, I'm not going to go see that. See the the pre pre ubiquity of the internet. I'm going to put all of this in the column of maybe something nice will happen. That's what the '90s was like. You would do all sorts of things like that. You you would yeah. go to the mall. You would just go to the mall with no plan and no money. And you'd think to yourself, 
Well, maybe something nice will happen. It's like a glory hole. You put your penis through the, the mysterious hole and you hope for the best. And you think maybe something nice will happen in there. Now you know. Now everyone knows everything. Oh, Bob Schneider is opening up for Wilco. Clickety clack, 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 clack. They watch 10 seconds of one thing you did. And then they make their decision instead of going, you know what, maybe something nice will happen. Because if they did co-see you, something nice would happen. Because I feel like you on a bill with Wilco would be a great show. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I was doing the best show I knew how to do because I was like, I want to win these people over. I wasn't fucking around. Right. And uh, But nobody was there. So, And the people that were there were already fans of mine who just happened to be going to Wilco, and they were fans of mine, so they came early. The other thing I wanted to do was, you know, like meet Jeff Tweedo and meet the band and, you know, become best friends with them and, and uh, you know, have a lifelong friendship with Jeff Tweedy and, and Wilco. And none of that happened because I'm real insecure. And so we played uh, in El Paso was the first night. And, and that night there was sort of a sort of a general green room, like this big room that both band. Well, I mean, I didn't have a band. I was just solo. But like there was a some rooms, some little tiny dressing rooms off of this big combo room. So everybody was just hanging out in there. And I could have hung out in there and talked to those guys. But I didn't want to do the thing where I was like bugging anybody. You know what I mean? I just I always feel like I'm bugging people if I'm if I'm talking to them. Or so I was like, oh, I'll I'll just wait until tomorrow when when I'm playing in Austin. But then the dressing rooms in Austin were in completely different parts of the building, so I never saw those guys again. Hmm. <laughs> so it was a it was a lose lose. That's a sad story. Yeah, it really it really wasn't cool. I think a better guiding principle for you in those scenarios would be to do the thing that you're afraid of, to, to just turn it into a game or something. But then if you feel like you really are bothering them, you can always split. But you could always just dip your toe in and see what the vibe is. Because I mean, I tried. I tried a little bit. I talked to the band guys because the band guys were in there the, before Jeff Tweedy got there. Just the band guys were there, right. and I talked to those guys for a few minutes because they're just band guys, you know. Yeah, and uh, and they were nice, but I don't know them. And what am I just going to keep talking to these guys <laughs> that I don't know? Right. What the fuck? Yeah. So you know, I I split, did my show, came back, and then and now they're kind of getting ready for their show. And so I'm, I don't want to fuck with them because they got a whole thing. Like they've got instruments back there. They're like pre-playing before they hit the stage. You know, they're like doing all that shit. Right. So then I'm like, well, I'm not going to bug them. And I'll, you know, after the show, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to them. But I couldn't make it through the show. I was like really tired, I, you know, because I traveled all day to get to El Paso. I'm like, I'll see them tomorrow. Yeah. You know, when I'm more rested or whatever. And I never saw them again. But I should have stuck around, hung out that night after their show, it would have probably that would have been the best time, but I you know, I didn't know that. I feel like a a Bob band run, like a one or two week run with them would be a great tour. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean I, I I will say I mean, so I did meet him for a second and he, he seemed nice. He you know, he wasn't like I've met people that are not cool. And he he, he wasn't that at all, you know. Well, from everything I pretty everything chill. I know about him, he feels the same way that you do. He's pretty insecure. He feels like he bugs people. You know, he wants to just disappear all the time. Right, but he was he was with his guys, and you know, he felt comfortable, and yeah, he was. You know what I mean? He was fine. Yeah, I just thought there'd be more of that the next day, but 
I never, like I said, I never saw them again. I haven't listened to any of their new records in maybe 10 years. And I was a huge Wilco fan. And maybe about a year ago, I saw, it was like a nicely like three camera shot live show of theirs from like 2019, right before the pandemic. And I looked at the set list and it was mostly shit I didn't recognize because they've been putting out a lot of records in the last 10 years. And I was like, all right, let me just dip in. And I watched the whole thing. It was really good. It was kind of sleepy, kind of dad rock stuff. But I think that dude writes great songs. He writes really interesting songs that don't go where you think they're going to go. I think I think you would do that a lot too. That's why I keep thinking about it as a like a double bill that would be really good, really fun to see. Yeah, I mean he's got he's got some amazing he's got some terrific songs. That song, the lonely one, where he's like oh, yeah. watching the guy play. Yeah. Like that's one of the great songs, as far as I'm concerned. I love the lonely so, one, Jesus, etc. A lot of the songs on Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. The problem I had with y- Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, and I will say all of the records since, is that the songs are good, they're fine, but they're not great. But they're just the instrumentation's kind of experimental and they're doing stuff musically that's interesting that makes the songs more interesting and the people get really bent out of shape about that and they're like oh this is a fucking masterpiece but the songs themselves are only okay but they're just dressed up in these really fancy arrangements from the band and i'm just like ah, i can see, kind of see through it i'm like i i'm looking at the the song underneath yeah. the the uh ornamentation and they're they're fine there's nothing wrong with those songs but they're not that lonely one song i think if you um he put out a um a dvd called sunken treasure that's him on a solo acoustic tour and it's shot pretty well it's in it's like it's shot artfully and then it it hones in on certain performances of this whole tour that were good or where it looked cool it sounded good i would encourage you to if you're just you know vegging out dip into that because you obviously can't hide behind anything in some, in, you know, an environment like that, it's just him and a guitar. He does have this one moment where he yeah. he plays an Uncle Tupelo song called "Black Eye," and so he finishes that song. And as he's starting the next song, someone in the crowd yells out, "Black Eye sucks!" And they kept all this in the film, and you just watch him deal with that. <laughs> like at first, he's like, "What?" He's like, "What did you say?" He like can't believe someone yelled that. And then he's like trying to play the next song and he keeps fucking the words up. He's like, man, that guy really fucked me up. Like they left all this kind of interesting interplay between him and the guy that yelled out. Like, what would you do if someone yelled whatever song American Jesus sucks before you started playing your next song? How would you deal with that at a solo show? I would not be happy about it. It would fuck me (laughs) up. It would really fuck me up. And (laughs) something like that. It's weird because... Stuff like that just never happens, but it does happen every once in a while. Somebody did something similar to that not long ago. And uh yeah, it really I don't think I don't think audiences understand how much effect they have on on us when we're up there. Like if they're talking or looking at their phone or ignoring us. Like it really has a profound effect on the performance that that I don't think people are aware of. I think people are just like, 
oh, he's up there having a good time. Me talking to my friend's not going to affect him, but it really does. Like they're just oblivious to that. If if you're sitting there in rapt attention and then going crazy in between songs, it has a huge effect on the performer. It makes the performance better. It's just energy. You're giving the band energy. The band recycles that energy and puts it back into the performance and gives it back to you. It's that's what the best shows do. Yeah, and if you heckle, if you heckle the performer, somebody that's what it was. Somebody this year at Saxon Pub did something where they heckled me, and I way way overreacted. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it was like taking a bazooka out on a you know trying to scare a mouse with a bazooka like i really went overboard well you got to send you got to deal with the heckler but you also have to broadcast a bigger message to future potential hecklers so yeah it was it was too much i forget exactly i just remembered that that's when it was well what 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 did they say and what did you do you know what it was it was i think it was some lady said something and then i started making fun of her and then this dude said something like maybe it was his maybe her boyfriend or husband or something said something and that's where I, you know what it was? I think he just, I think he threatened me or something from the audience. It wasn't like, I'm going to kick your ass, but it was something like that. Oh, wait a second. I think I was there for this. Was this when we did our live podcast? No, I don't think so. Or, no, I was at this show with you. This is one of the two shows I played with you. And some guy yelled something and you were like, he something about meeting you outside or something yeah it was something where i was at that like show. i felt i felt threatened yeah i was there for that and it shut me down like it really i was like well all right i'm i'm done trying yeah i'm like not gonna try anymore. that's what happens like i'm like okay fuck it i'm not gonna try anymore right you win right but nobody wins well in those situations it's becoming a thing that and maybe it's just my idea of it is that it's becoming a thing because it i see it go viral but I feel like it's happening more to comedians than ever where someone will get offended in the crowd and go on stage and confront a comedian and take the mic and be like, you can't say that, you know, whatever. And it's like, bitch, get off the stage. <laughs> like, leave if you don't like it. You know, there's just like a new, there's a new era of entitlement if someone is outraged or offended by a performer. Well, they should watch Sanford and Son. Or just Sanford? Or just Sanford. And just to kind of recalibrate their sense of what you can and cannot say. It'll be interesting to see how the culture moves forward with all that. But you should watch at least that scene of uh, Jeff Tweedy. Because he says the same shit. He makes some joke where he's like, you guys aren't doing a very good job policing yourselves. You know, he's like... And then he's singing this other song and he's like, he just stops the next song. He's like, how could you say that to me? He's like, I'm a human being. He's like, how could you fucking say that to me? It's insane. Right. right. <clears throat> and you, it's weird because you don't want to give a dumbass like that power, but you can't deny that that hurts your feelings and you're in a vulnerable spot. You're singing your songies and all you want is to be loved. You know, man, I saw Jeff Tweedy play solo at Austin City Limits Festival like 15 years ago, maybe. And I mean, there were 10,000 people watching him and he was just up there solo with a guitar and they were all just silent. And I was learning a lot watching him. I was like, God damn it, man. This dude's fucking doing it. 
Like he was doing. I it. just read his book. It's really good. It's a really pleasant read. Not the How to Write a Song one. This one's called like Let's Go So We Can Get Back. Oh yeah, I haven't read that. But I did. You know what I did do? I listened to the podcast. The New York Times critic interviewed him. Uh huh. And that dude is smart. He's a pretty interesting <sighs> guy. Dude, he's so fucking smart. His book's really funny and, and interesting to read. It's just kind of, it's a biography, but it's it's not long. It's not like dense. And he talks about where he grew up and which I normally hate those parts of books, like the childhood stuff. But he gets into like that Uncle Tupelo stuff and that band he was in with Jay Farrar, then the Wilco stuff and his rehab shit. It's pretty fascinating. Is he sober? He's been sober for a long time, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. He had a huge drug thing that kind of, he went to rehab in 2003. Did he write that first Wilco record when he was like still doing heroin and stuff? I don't think he ever did heroin, but I think he was a huge pill guy, like an opioid guy. And a tr- Well, that's the same. Oh, well, sure. I mean, he wasn't like intravenously shooting heroin, but he did everything until A Ghost Is, a Ghost is Born was the last album he did fucked up. And that was 2000. One and two. So everything he did until then. So he did the first AM, Being There, Summer Teeth, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, and all the Uncle Tupelo stuff. Oh, well, there you go. All right. Well, now it makes sense. Now it all makes sense. Because guys who can write really good on drugs can't write as well without the drugs. Well, I don't I, I, I don't know. I, I can't remember the details. I think it something happened later when he got really into it. I know he never drank. I think he had like some health problems, so he was taking painkillers, and I think it happened more after they were successful. I don't know. I don't know his uh, drug history. I don't know either. Uh, I do know that people like Elton John, as soon as they got sober, never wrote another good song. That's sad. But he kept writing songs, just didn't write any good ones. And I'm not saying that I'm not saying that Jeff Tweedy hasn't written any good songs because he's written tons of good songs. But there is something about heroin and opioids that really where you can write some stuff that's really next level like you can really get to some places on that drug that you just it's it's hard to get there without it my favorite music that comes from there well bill hicks had that whole bit about you know if you think drugs are bad for the world, then take all your favorite records, throw them away. Because everyone who made every bit of art that you love, that changed your life, that made the world a better place, everyone was real high on drugs. <laughs> you know, he does this whole thing about it. One of my favorite songwriters, turns out he was doing heroin the whole time. Just found this out. Do we get to learn who it is? Maybe in the Secret Weekly. I'm not doing it on the regular podcast. Oh, really? This isn't, oh, this is a private, this is private information? Yeah. Oh. Well, you'll have to stick around for The Secret Weekly to figure out what that is. The Secret Weekly is bonus episodes you get if you join us on Patreon, which is patreon.com slash IOK. In fact, I want to take a quick moment to thank some new patrons. I think we have three that came across. Yeah, I want to thank Anthony Hughes, Joe B., and Jennifer Bourgeoisie. Oh, wow. Hi. Hi. And here's the cool thing. Thank you, guys. Here's the cool thing about The Secret Weekly is... If you go to the Patreon, I think you even get an email. You get an RSS feed to The Secret Weekly, and The Secret Weekly just pops up in your normal whatever podcast app you use. So it's just 
exclusive content. It shows up in your phone just like the normal episodes. And if you sign up today, you have a backlog of, I think, 170 Secret Weeklies. Jesus and Christ. And last week's Secret Weekly was 16 minutes long. Dude, I feel like you could take the Secret Weeklies at this point and write. If you just put them in manuscript form, you're basically writing the Bhagavad Vita at this point, which is the secrets of the universe, by the way. The last Secret Weekly, is, which is number 172, it was 16 minutes and 58 seconds. The one before that, nine minutes, 11 minutes, six minutes, seven minutes, five, six, seven, five. They're anywhere from three to apparently 16 or 20 minute bonus episodes. Do you, all right, you know how much a guru costs? Do you know what your um, average guru costs? Your average guru, I believe, is about 30000 a month. It's, it's roughly anywhere from 10 to 40% of your net income. Which is a lot. Guess what you're getting when you get the Secret Weekly? You're getting the same value, the same guru value at a sliver of the fucking cost. Like literally, depending on how much you make, we're a thousandth of your monthly salary. You're you're saving so much money by, dude, do this. Go to patreon.com backslash IOK. Sign up today if you're not signed up. If you are signed up, obviously, get that BDE experience and, and jack up your monthly rate. But if you're not, if you're not, if you're just listening to this and you're not on Patreon and you want that BDE experience, go there now. And this is what's going to happen. Your life, it's going to be like somebody switched a switch on that you didn't even know existed. And that's going to be on forever. The question is, do you want uh, to be spiritually enlightened and illuminated or not? I mean, some people say, I don't. It's too much for me. The light is too much. I'd rather live in the dark with the rats and the raccoons. (laughs) No, they wouldn't. Dude, it's too much for them. They're like, look, we're used to this darkness. My eyes aren't ready for the light. And those people, I say this, keep coming back. Because eventually, you're gonna you're gonna peek out, and you're gonna see a little bit of that gray dawn, and uh, eventually you'll get ready for it. Because when that light comes and hits you, you're gonna know something about the world that you didn't know before. So, so check this out. A couple uh, last month, I was out in California playing, and my wife came out for a few days. Came time for her to go home. I had to get her to LAX. It was a huge to do. You know what that's like. Oh, yeah. I get her on a flight at like five. My bus is in Burbank, which is about 45 minutes away on a normal day. At five o'clock in Los Angeles, that's a two and a half hour Uber ride. So I go to, and I was worried about Isabel missing her flight. So I went to a nearby hotel bar to have dinner and watch a basketball game. I was going to kill some time to make sure my wife got on a flight and just kill some of that traffic time. Because I didn't want to spend the money on that Uber and I didn't want to sit in an Uber for two hours. So I did briefly talk to a guy at the bar. I did not give him my name. I did not give him any of my socials. We were both watching a basketball game and we talked about basketball a little bit. Really, I can't emphasize, not a lot. We didn't become best buddies or anything. I just got 
a DM on Instagram from an account called 401 Slim. Hey, Clint, this is Sam. We met at the Sheraton Hotel Bar in California. I know you're probably super busy touring with Morgan Wade, but if you ever get a few moments of free time, if you could give my artist a listen, thanks. No link to an artist, no name of an artist. When I look at his profile, no posts. He has 904 followers and he's only following 200 people. What the fuck is that all about? I don't know. Insanity. Somebody who's lost his mind, obviously. He just, there's so many weird things about this. How does he know who I am? How did he find this? He wants me to listen to an artist. He doesn't send me the artist. He has no posts. I'm just, this is so weird. And it's been a month. It's been a long time since that. Uh, Dude, I don't know the world, man. Today, I dropped my I dropped my daughter off at her thing that she's doing this camp, and uh, I go to get into the, you know, to pull onto the street, the main street, and I can see there's it's a two it's four lanes, so there's two lanes one way, two lanes the other way, with a, a fifth lane which is a passing lane in the middle. So I'm pulling out of the street and I'm going to go right, and actually. Where I'm pulling out of the street, there might even be three lanes, but at least two lanes. And I see that there's a car coming, but it's in the second lane. So there's nobody in the lane that's closest to me. So I'm like, but there's a bunch of cars coming down the road, like way down the road. And I'm like, I have plenty of time to pull into my lane, not fuck with the guy who's coming in the second lane even. Like, I'll be in my lane. He's probably going to pass me, but maybe not. But I'm not going to scare him. It's not like I'm pulling out and like, you know, do you you see the scenario here? Yeah, I see it. So I, and dude, when I get into the lane, it's not like I'm getting into the lane like a fucking 80-year-old Amish cart driver. I'm fucking leaning on the gas. I'm getting into the lane and getting, I'm getting going. Right. Right? You're getting gone. Yeah. So I fucking get into this lane and am laying on the gas, making sure I don't, you know, fuck with this guy that's in the second lane because I know he's coming up. And I fucking look in my rearview mirror and there's a dude in a fucking pickup truck doing about 300 fucking miles an hour in my lane. And I'm like, that dude wasn't in this lane when I pulled out into the fucking road. So he was obviously in that second lane going a thousand miles an hour and zipped into my lane as I'm pulling into that lane. Right. And now this motherfucker's flashing his fucking lights at me like I just cut him off. Right. And I'm like, hey, bitch, you're the one that just got into the lane that I was in because nobody was in this lane when I pulled in. It was a big fucking red texas truck with extra wide wheels that stuck out of the side of the truck and it was a truck that made extra noise like the muffler was fucked like it was a redneck truck and this guy's like fucking flashing his lights not honking but flashing his lights and i was like this motherfucker's gonna pull up to me and want to go toe to toe which i know which you know me, dude. I don't want, I'm not going toe-to-toe with anybody. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck, dude? I'm telling you, 
Austin used to be the best place in the world in terms of people being friendly, being nice drivers, being cool. And something's happened over the last 10 years where people have moved here in droves and brought their shitty, weird, like uncool, rude driving shit with them. And I'm like, hey, motherfucker, this is Austin, dude. No. Don't be pulling that shit on me, motherfucker. Yeah. Texas is probably similar to Alabama where you could die from, you know, someone might kill you over road rage. One of my elementary school teachers did kill somebody over road rage. They like she got cut off on an, on an off ramp. Because everyone's mad. Everyone pretends to be nice, but they're just filled with white hot rage. They got all this religion they put on it, but it doesn't do anything. And then they all have guns. Dude, all I do is go out of my way to let people into lanes. If I'm in traffic and there's somebody trying to pull out and we're at a stoplight, I will I will let 10 cars pull out into my lane if they're you know backed up into a parking lot trying to get out. I don't care. I'm like, I'll, all I'm trying to do is be nice out there when I'm driving. You're a nice guy. I am a pretty nice guy. <laughs> I really am. It's one of the things I like about me. One of the now things I'm not I... like fake. I'm not fake nice. I'm not bullshit nice. No, you're I'm not nice like guy. I'm not like smiley smiley. Let me ask you about your day because I care. No, I'm authentic. I don't give a fuck about your day. <laughs> I don't. You want to tell me about your day? That's fine. But you're going to have to do it. I'm not asking you. <laughs> you're going to have to just take the initiative. Yeah. I'm oh fucking, boy. I'm the real deal, dude. I'm fucking, what, what you see is what you get. And I'm nice. <laughs> <laughs> I am. <laughs> I am nice, dude. This is such a funny thing to say about yourself. Well, people, nice. here's the thing, man. People do this thing. My wife does it where she doesn't give a fuck either, but she goes out of her way to pretend that she gives a fuck. And then the whole time she's bo- seething with anger. Right. I'm like, why do any of it? Just do the things that you want to do all the time. <laughs> Just do do that with your life. Quit fucking worrying about everybody. Yeah. That's good advice. Such and good with, advice. with that good advice, we're going to have to kick it the secret really, which will be filled with more good advice. So check out that Patreon. It's 10 bucks a month. It's like buying me and Bob a couple cups of coffee. And uh, it shows that you support the show that brings you joy every week. So we're going to dip into it now. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your families. Bye. 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 <laughs>